a reading from the book of Israel. At the time of the evening sacrifice, I, Israel, rose in my wretchedness, and with cloak and mantle torn, I fell on my knees, stretching out my hands to the Lord my God. I said, My God, I am too ashamed and confounded to raise my face to you. O oh my God, for our wicked deeds are heaped up above our heads, and our guilt reaches up to heaven. From the time of our fathers even to this day, great has been our guilt, and for our wicked deeds we have been delivered up, we and our kings and our priests, to the will of the kings of foreign lands, to the sword, to captivity, to pillage, and to disgrace, as is the case today. And now, but a short time ago, mercy came to us from the Lord our God, who left us a remnant and gave us a stake in his holy place. Thus our God has brightened our eyes and given us relief in our servitude. For slaves we are, but in our servitude our God has not abandoned us. Rather, he has turned the good will of the kings of Persia toward us. Thus, he has given us new life to raise again the house of our God and restore its ruins, and has granted us offense in Judah and Jerusalem. The word of the Lord. Be Blessed be God, who lives forever. Be God, who lives forever. He scourges and then has mercy. He casts down to the depths of another world, and he brings up from the great abyss. No one can escape his hand. Praise him, you children of Israel, before the Gentiles. For though he has scattered you among them, he has shown you his greatness even there. So now consider what he has done for you, and praise him with full voice. Bless our Lord of righteousness and exalt the King of Ages. In the land of my exile, I praise him and show his power and majesty to a sinful nation. Bless the Lord, all you his chosen ones, and may all of you praise his majesty. Celebrate days of gladness and give him praise.
omnes fobiscum. Lectio Sancti Evangelii secundum Lucam. Jesus summoned the twelve and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He said to them, take nothing for the journey, neither walking stick nor sack, nor food, nor money, and let no one take a second tunic. Whatever house you enter, stay there and leave from there. And as for those who do not welcome you, when you leave that town, shake the dust from your feet in testimony against them. Then they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and curing diseases everywhere. Verbum Domini. These two readings have very profound appropriateness for St. Vincent de Paul. He was born in 1581, not even 20 years after the Council of Trent had finally ended, a long council going from 1545 to 1663, took decades to get it finished. And he was born to, in France, of course, uh, and he be belonged to a fairly poor family, not super poor, but certainly not rich, shepherds. And he was good at reading, so his father sold a couple oxen to send him to get uh, seminary training, and he went. But he went to the seminary primarily as a way to get a really good, secure job. That was his main goal. If you recall, you know, many, when people died, they oftentimes would leave in their bequest, just as we do today, uh, uh, that you offer so many masses, and these are called benefices, and that you pray for that family every day, offer a mass for them, and oftentimes these chapels would and churches would have a benefice attached to it from a number of people or sometimes from one very wealthy family. And you'd be set up and then you could do other things as well. And Vincent was bright and did very well in school, uh, studied at the university, which was pretty rowdy. It was a place, a lot of fights. Some of them got so violent that even one of the officers was killed by the students in a student riot. And this is not modern times. I'm talking about the 1590s. And so 
This is the kind of situation in which he uh, was ordained a priest at age 19. Now, one of the reforms of the Council of Trent was that you couldn't be ordained a priest till you were 24. But he was done with studies. He, again, he was bright. So they ordained him, but it was against canon law to let him take a parish and get one of these benefices. He was too young. And so went back to school, studied more. And when word came that one of his patrons had died and had left him some property, he sailed to go you know, take it to, to, to get the property deeds and all that. While sailing in the Mediterranean, Barbary pirates caught his ship and made him a slave, along with the other passengers. This was typical. The ongoing war between the Turks and the various Christian nations had was still taking place. I mean, the, the Battle of Lepanto hadn't been too many years before that. And other battles were yet to come. It wouldn't, that war really wouldn't end until the Turks were finally defeated at Vienna and Hungary in a good, uh, well, just a few years after he, uh, Vincent died. So he was made a slave to a fisherman and then to a pharmacist. Pharmacist died, he was sold to a Franciscan who had also been captured another time. To get out of slavery, he became a Muslim, had three wives, and he bought Vincent. And Vincent's example, there, there was something that happened that connected with this reading from Ezra. This is a prayer of penitence after the exile. And Somewhere along the line of being a slave, Vincent repented of his very worldly attitude toward the priesthood, something that was not uncommon in his day. Remember, this is the era of Cardinal Richelieu. Richelieu was the prime, in effect, the second in power in France after the king. And he was helping to manipulate various wars. The, the Thirty Years' War took place at this time. And Richelieu sent two tubs of gold to the Lutheran king of Sweden to attack the Catholic country of Poland. He cared more about politics and not about promoting the faith. This was the era. And St. Vincent repented of his own desire for a small share of that kind of self-centered worldliness. He didn't want to be a shepherd of sheep or of souls. He simply wanted money and comfort. And as he repented of that, as Ezra did here, he began to be a very good example to one of the wives of this former Franciscan. 
And she recognized that Christianity was true and rebuked her husband for giving up his Christianity. So she, the husband, and Vincent went in a boat and escaped to France. Vincent was given his freedom. The Franciscan was reconciled to the church and came back to the faith. And Vincent took a different approach. Two things affected him. One, he had a new sympathy for caring for those who were poor and sick. One of the advantages of being a slave to a pharmacist is that he learned about medicine and what could be done to help those who were suffering. And from the work that he did, especially with various wealthy French people, especially French women, they began to gather what was necessary to help those who were poor. And so the Daughters of Charity eventually are the fruit of that, who, as we know here in Birmingham, have started a number of hospitals around the world, and one of them being here, St. Vincent's. And we also see that they, another community of women was started to teach people. And this care for the poor was a complete transformation away from Vincent's own desire to avoid poverty. He embraced his own life of poverty so that he could be of service to those who were in need and not just opportunists. That was very important for him. The second thing that he also did is he recognized the importance of what the Council of Trent had said about starting seminaries. Before Trent, there were no seminaries. And the council called for there to be seminaries to train priests well. But they didn't have the staff. So he also started a community of men. We now know them as the Vincentians. And they committed themselves over the centuries to the education of seminarians so that they would not only have the academic formation in necessary theological sciences. They needed to know systematic and historical theology and moral theology. But the Vincentians also were concerned to train priests to be focused on the mission, to follow this gospel. This gospel is where Christ calls his 12 disciples to go out and to heal people and to cast out evil, the demons, and to preach good news. And training priests in that ministry was the focus of their work as an order of men. So that this is where all of us have to pray for repentance of various sinners. And part of their repentance 
always includes the ability to look back on their own past and not only say they were sorry, but then a key part of the work of Jesus Christ in our souls is to help us take the steps that correct our faults, to go contrary to that which was the evil we were looking for, and to seek a good far beyond us. That's why various groups like uh, Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous are so successful. They use their past faults and sins as a way to recognize in other fellow sinners the way to change, and they become part, that's a key part of the 12-step program, to go out and help others. All of us are called to a kind of conversion like St. Vincent, that takes the weaknesses our Lord forgave and healed and makes them into strengths that can help others in need as well. This is how the church is reformed, whether it be the clergy or the laity or the religious. And this is part of the ongoing formation of the church that our Lord calls us to.